0: everybody out there listening a very warm White Cat welcome because you're tuned in to the White Cat Outdoors podcast.
1: Hey everybody thanks for tuning in to episode 35 of the White Cat Outdoors podcast. As you know Frank's in Alaska so tonight we got Tom again bringing us in. I'm in the studio with my brother Nick. Hey how's it going? And we also have a very special guest tonight. It's another frequent host or frequent guest of ours, our brother, Luke. It's his girlfriend, Cassie. Hello, everybody. Great to have you on the show,
0: Cassie. Yeah, we're glad you could join us, even though Luke's still in class, Uh, you were able to swing on over to the old studio.
2: Yeah, thank you guys for having me.
0: So Tom, what are we we talking about tonight? Why did we bring Cassie on?
1: So Cassie is quite the outdoors woman, I guess you could call it. she in fishing fly fishing hunting hiking she grew up in the mountains of Pennsylvania bear country elk country. elk country too yeah it's pretty unique so why don't we go into just a little
0: bit of background information on you Cassie like what what well, out- let's talk about like how her and Luke met real quick because that's kind of leads you right into what kind of person Cassie is and why we'd want to bring her on
2: all right, so I guess Luke and I met uh, my freshman year here at uh, Edinburgh University, where we go to college, and we actually met because I joined the fly fishing club, and we went up on a fly fishing trip to Niagara Falls uh, to catch uh, salmon and steelhead and brown trout, and uh, Luke was uh, quite the gentleman, and he really caught my, uh, my eyes, so he was a great guy, and he helped me land my uh, first big brown trout uh so i I i'm used to catching natives and stuff in my small town and so i caught about a 10 pound 10 pound brown trout and luke helped me reel it in and since then uh we kind of hit it off
0: nice so like luke actually might have touched on that a while back um but we've gained some new listeners um in the last few months and stuff so if they didn't listen to that episode they know now um just before we had hit recording or i hit record i guess we were talking a little bit about other things um that you do besides fishing and stuff that gets mm-hmm. you outdoors that i didn't even know and you've been it seems like you've been around for years with luke but um has it been even a year yet or
2: uh nope it'll be a year in november so just a wow. couple more months here yeah it, feel, it feels like
0: forever just because like you fit in with everybody so quickly and yeah uh all the fishing and stuff so uh, what else gets you outdoors, um, uh, besides the fly fishing?
2: So currently I, uh, I still, I love to kayak, fish. I hunt with my family, um, just being outdoors in general. Um, so since I was, so I have four older brothers, uh, there are my oldest brother's 15 years older than me. And then it goes down from there. Um, my dad was, uh, he grew up in the middle of, uh, Cameron County, you know, in the middle of, um, endless mountains and uh so he was quite the outdoorsman when he was a kid so I grew up camping with my family and uh I always had an interest for the outdoors um learning about it and everything I had to know
1: well that's what basically you're going to school for now isn't it
2: yeah so my major is environmental geology and I have a minor in environmental studies and actually I wasn't gonna major in that I always said I was gonna keep my hobbies separate um but I mean, it's so much easier to learn about something you love. And they say, if you love what your, your job, then you're never working a day in your life. Right.
0: I think that's true for sure. I mean, like if you could find out like my uncle has found a way to get paid to hunt and absolutely loves it. So for somebody like you, who's extremely well-rounded in the outdoors, like it's not mm-hmm. just fishing um, for you. So if you can find a way to make a living in that, I can't see how it would feel like work to you.
2: Right. So I, I mean, I took my hunter safety courses as young as I could. I was like 11 years old or so. And, uh, I started hunting with my dad, squirrel and deer and everything. And, um, I've been hunting ever since and, uh, fishing. So when I was younger, I, when I was in the fourth grade, I started volunteering with, uh, a local organization in my community. It's Cameron County outdoor youth activities. And it's basically just, a just an organization to try to get youth into the outdoors and get more people interested in paying attention to all it has to offer and
0: what aspect of the outdoors um did that like group cover um, was it like hunting fishing hiking so they
2: offer um a youth a pheasant hunt they offer a youth doe hunt they teach kids how to shoot archery they teach kids how to shoot bb guns um they do everything they uh they just they go around to elementary school middle school and like um, other areas like during festivals and stuff and they teach them about white tails or different fish or furs or a- like aging of deer teeth, like everything. So it's quite the amazing organization and I was, lo- I love to be a part of it. So, um, I started volunteering that for that when I was in the fourth grade all the way up until my senior year. And I, I mean, I still, um, am an active part of the group, but I, uh, I grew up going to different traveling around with him, uh, Don Bickford, who is the, um, I guess the
0: chairman Chairman
2: or- of, yeah, he's, he's the head guy. And, um, I went around with him and we taught kids like as young as three years old, how to shoot a, shoot a Matthews bow. Wow. And, um, yeah, you know, you just crank the pounds down and help them out and just seeing the enjoyment on kids face when they really learn. And then knowing when kids come back year after year saying, Hey, I went out and bought a bow or I picked it up or I want to, fishing rod at this event and since then i've you know grown up grown it to be a hobby it's like that's awesome that we that's what the whole organization is for so
0: so did you come up through the organization and then start volunteering or like have you always been like a volunteer helping
2: yeah so it actually just started about that time when i was in the fourth grade and i was a good family friend of um don's and he knew i was um he knew my family and that i was Um, very interested in the outdoors so I started going to the events but since I was knowledgeable about pretty much everything they were teaching he asked me to start being a volunteer so even though I was volunteering helping the other kids I was there learning as well I was standing there learning all the same information that they were when he was talking and stuff so
0: okay so I I didn't realize like that it's like a newer thing yeah um, I don't think our county has a program like that unfortunately I mean there's gun clubs and stuff to do like youth shoots and stuff but there's nothing that i'm aware of that you know ties like all aspects of the outdoors into one it's
2: absolutely amazing our um our county has so much to offer and it's amazing how many uh kids and even adults don't take advantage of the area we live in and so it's it's quite the privilege like the organization is absolutely amazing and i i attribute a lot of my knowledge and um Everything to that group. So actually, Don Bickford helped me when I was about 13 years old. He sent me to a conservation camp, Potter County Conservation Camp. I learned uh, how to skin um, a fisher. We um, shot muzzle loaders, we shot um, um, guns, as well as we went to sewage treatment plants and landfills and everything. And I was only 13 years old and I was learning about everything about the outdoors. We took little tests and field trips and that camp was amazing and then at um at the age of 16 he actually helped me he's like sponsored me he gave me a scholarship to go to um the wildlife leadership academy it's a very well-known um high end uh camp that is a week long and you go and you can pick what aspect you want to go to. where's this camp at well it depends so they have like a bears camp a white-tailed deer uh brook trout a turkey uh, and so on I think they're expanding and so each camp's located somewhere different but it's quite intense you have to send in a transcript a letters of recommendation um like an essay and everything and there's people who get turned away so the opportunity to go to that was absolutely amazing they bring in professionals to teach you I personally went to the brook trout one because um I love water water is my uh specialty I guess or so so um I went there and then afterwards I did outreach. So I went to some of the events with Dawn for Cameron County Outdoor Youth Activities and I talked about my experience at the Wildlife Leadership Academy and uh, it was just amazing. Dawn also helps with our school's local outdoor club or our school's outdoor club so students can get participated and then he comes in and he helps. you know, help organizations, um, fish stocking, litter cleanups and stuff like that and helps the kids from the high school get involved.
0: So you said um, like there was like, it was like a wildlife leadership camp Mm -hmm. and stuff like with the, uh, like you went to the brook trout one. Um, What exactly were you doing? Like you talked about like stocking trout and stuff. Yeah. uh, But what exactly like on the leadership end, like what, how did that tie into the camp itself?
2: So the camp itself was like uh, it was almost like an academy. I mean, we lined up, we marched, we sang, we did everything, but we we woke up at 6am and we had class. And then you came out with your pen, your notebooks and everything. And, um, you learned like about plants and everything. And you have people come in, you take notes, all this stuff. And then we had field study. We'd go out for the day. We'd go to fish hatcheries. Like I got to see an Atlantic sturgeon and paddlefish and all these cool you know Mm -hmm. fishes that I've or fish like I've never seen and stuff and that was awesome but then it's almost like a it's almost like a camp cadet I mean you're disciplined you're learning and everything we wore polos we um we learned like respect for the outdoors and everything and I think it was more of the leadership role as an ambassador for the outdoors they're teaching you to be an advocate for like our nature and the world we live in they want after after the camp they want you to continue going out and. Uh, teaching people about, you know, what you learned and uh, all about, you know, respecting our environment and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, not that the reason you did it was for resume building and stuff, but I'm sure that looks really good on a a resume, especially with your major in college that you participated in stuff like that. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not required by any means, but you're like, you know, I'm sure that took a week out of your summer or something to go (laughs) and do. Yeah. And
2: I mean, it was a privilege. I say if I could have went back, I and did every single camp i would have yeah it wasn't i recommend it to absolutely any kid in like the age range that's available to go
0: do you have like uh what do you, i guess is there like a link or something to it or? yeah
2: actually i think they're a very well-known organization i um i know that you can uh, google it you can i'm sure they have a website they're on facebook they're everywhere um like so in element or middle school i suppose i competed at the at NASP, which is like the national archery uh, schools in our program. So oh, okay. you go to Penn state, uh, university park and you compete in archery shooting. And I did that. And, um, one d- one time when I was there for an archery competition, I saw the out wildlife leadership Academy stand and, uh, Don was with us cause he helps mm-hmm. with outdoor club and stuff. And we walked over and talked to the girl who I'd known since I went there and not to mention, it's amazing for like, uh, connections and, Um, networking and stuff like the people I met through the program I bring up their names and people know them and it's it's crazy it's like small world
0: (laughs) yeah you get easy connections Mm -hmm. so another thing I wanted to talk about like um, we had touched a little bit on it like the kayaking and stuff Mm -hmm. and you said you were like competitively like racing yeah with kayaks Um, and that was interesting to me because like I can barely keep the thing (laughs) like up without tipping over or something so like what what got you like what I guess how did you get involved into racing kayaks and like what, like? That's kind talk of a about funny like story. the rivers yeah. or like if there's like a track, mm-hmm. almost like a water track or however that works. Right,
2: so um, when I was young, I went to 4-H camp and um, they had boats out there on the pond and I was like, I wanna take one of those kayaks and started kayaking, I loved it. So the next Easter, my dad bought me just an eight foot Pelican, you know, lake kayak and I started kayaking. Well, my county actually has a, an annual kayak and canoe race every year. It's a 12 mile race, and um, there's actually a two mile youth event one, but um, you can do the 12 mile one if you want. So at the raw age of 12, I said, "Dad, I want to go 12 miles down the creek in my kayak." Have you 12. done like any
1: long distance kayaking <laughs> prior to the 12 mile race you just signed up for? Absolutely not.
2: <laughs> and but I was, um, you know, I did gymnastics and I did. Yeah, track and field. I did everything. So I was we like, you
0: were like in shape. So it wasn't, like- I
2: was, I was ready to go. I, I didn't say no to anything. So <laughs> I was like, dad, I'm going to do it. My dad said, okay, you know, they, there's other racers, there's people along the way. So he was like, okay. Um, and I got in and I ended up winning my age category, 12 miles in two, two hours. And this is in a very heavy, not racing kayak. So I remember like being so happy that I had finished, well, of course, people who come here, there's a couple rookies and stuff, you know, people just doing it for fun. There's a lot of professionals who travel around everywhere. They and probably do have this. like the big oh, long yeah. racing kayak. They do. And we actually, um I afterwards you go to this award ceremony and you get these paddles and stuff. And the guy who runs it and along with some other girls from uh, her name was Teresa, she's from Brookville, they actually came up to me and they were like, um, They're like, wow, that's really cool. What got you interested? Blah, blah, blah. And they took my name. Well, the next year I came back, I did the 12 mile race again, and then my time went down. So they started inviting me out to like places like Warren, PA, Brookville, um, Cook's Forest, like all these places. And they started bringing boats for me to use they, they i would show up with my little one and they'd say how about you try this 12 foot one and um a little narrower probably. yeah and it was a little bit harder i started racing stand-up paddle boards in lock haven and um so like so this C- is like the,
0: almost like the surfboard yep. kind of looking thing
2: and c1s which is one person <laughs> canoes and all this stuff so um she so then she asked me she said how about you start meeting us in this local area where they practice. I started showing up to actual kayak practicing and canoe. We'd go down the creek, but then we'd turn around and we'd go up the creek. So I was paddling upstream and that's what I was like practicing it's like stuff. conditioning, I guess. Yeah, and um so I started doing more but unfortunately moving on with uh gymnastics i you know i went up in levels and stuff and i just yeah. didn't have time for it anymore but it's we, still, we grew up
0: with family that was in gymnastics right and basically if you want to take that it was seriously yep. oh yeah you like soccer everything <laughs> yep. else just gets i started gone. i
2: switched to like five days a week of training so then i was like uh i had to cut down a couple and that was just one of the ones that was didn't make the cut unfortunately but i still have my kayak and i still love to do it for recreation so
0: do you uh was so the races are they all downstream yeah okay i, I didn't know yeah. if like if there was any sort yep. of
2: but it like different classes um, or
0: races or anything so
2: obviously they're usually in creeks, but like one year i did it i want to say it was cook's forest and the water levels were high the creek was wide and it was still water and i remember just baking in the sun like this is never going to end and one year our annual kayak canoe race water was low and they said we're not doing this so cinema honing Dam, we did a lap around well the caps were coming up and you're going <laughs> almost like upstream of the dam I guess and that was pretty rough but uh it was it was still a lot of fun and experience and same thing I met so many people through that so
0: Do you do any awesome. fishing off your kayak now?
2: Um I do sometimes um in my area the creeks are a little bit uh narrower I suppose so not it's, really a it's a not as needed but uh lake I do sometimes yep
0: so I know uh you would talk like you're in Cameron County and that's where like a lot of your um love for the outdoors started and everything yes. but there's a lot of people that listen that um either maybe aren't familiar with Cameron County or mm-hmm. even that aren't even in this state uh that have no idea what Cameron County is and you, you're kind of in a unique area for Pennsylvania because yeah. of the bear population and um the elk population that some, I don't even, I wonder if there's people out there that don't even realize that we have elk in PA. Um, There are. definitely. There's people in Pennsylvania that don't realize there's elk in Pennsylvania. Yeah. So talk a little bit about like the uniqueness of uh, Cameron County. And I guess it probably makes it a little bit easier to become like an outdoors enthusiast when you're surrounded by it constantly.
2: Oh, absolutely. I actually came to college and I talked to someone about uh, that. I lived near the elk and he was like, no you're like joking with Were me right Colorado? Like, yeah he was like <laughs> we don't have elk in pa and i was like oh my <laughs> it, it was funny but uh yeah so cameron county is actually the smallest county in pennsylvania it's the allegheny national forest area um small population there's one school in cameron county cameron county school district so all of cameron I didn't county realized
0: it was that small <laughs> yes cameron
2: all of cameron county goes to one high school and i graduated 47 kids so if that gives you an aspect on how small it is and we have one borough so uh, very small but as you can imagine um i mean we're all we're we're no we're called the land of the endless mountains that is um our slogan and stuff because our town itself, our borough, is one mile by one mile, surrounded by mountains. It is not um, unexpected; like it's not surprising to see a bear running down Main Street. Like the the police actually like know about it. They'll just you know you know shoot it off into the forest, and that's it. That mm-hmm. people go on about their day. There's um, I saw a ten put ten point buck outside my window on Fish Street one one yeah, uh,
0: you you live kind of in the like the borough, I guess. yeah
2: so i live in the borough and then i have a camp just 10 miles outside of yeah, my house and
0: pretty cool <laughs>
2: yeah so nick and tom got to come down to my camp this last weekend and we got to experience some awesome stuff um we have you know bear that constantly come around with their cubs and uh deer bear or deer buck everything like that it's it's not unexpected to see wildlife uh, all the time it's uh yeah um i
1: spend pretty much all the time outdoors and i think i've seen two black bears in the wild before i went down to cassie's camp and in that
0: weekend i think we saw six over the course of two days yeah and one was we were chilling by the campfire and it was you know, 25 yards away, just chilling. And I mean, we were all just, you know, went about our evening sitting at the fire and the black bear was just chilling. And then the one was like the mother with the cubs um, up in the apple tree. That was kind of cool.
2: Yeah, I guess it's just like surprising to me. Like that's the normal where I live Mm. and that's like how I grew up and I was raised and I didn't realize that other people didn't experience it as I did. You know, Cameron County actually is like one of the best like uh, hunting and uh, fishing places. Like a lot of people don't know uh emporium but they know cameron county or cinema honing because people come and travel from all over uh just to hunt our native or hunt like the forest and fish our native trout streams like we have brook trout in almost every stream natives and like stocked and everything um golden rainbow trout rainbows and uh brown trout just everything and um People come from all over just to see that. Not to mention uh, Down Cinema Honing um, is very a big tourist attraction now uh, for the elk. Uh, growing up, um, like my dad and I were telling you guys, uh, we didn't have all those roads in the um, restaurants and the parking lots and stuff to see these elk. But recently, you know, it's become a big interest to tourist people from all yeah. over. And so now people are coming to our area to check out these elk and I mean they're beautiful to us but uh it's just crazy that you probably
0: see them like deer yeah, at this point well, right even more of a nuisance like you said they destroy yeah garden, so, so yeah there's a lot of people
2: <laughs> who try to shoo them away because they're um eating their gardens or their um their antlers brush up on the siding their house tear it off and all sorts of stuff but
0: imagine.
2: um you know even seeing them as much as we do seeing a nice big bull or like hearing them um, bugle like in redding season all that stuff it's It's still just as amazing. Like it's still a wow factor. They are amazing animals and seeing them, you know that they're big, but if you've ever seen uh, an elk and a deer in this, like in the same field, it's, it's incredible. I mean,
0: you know, it's think about, think about how
2: heavy it is to carry a buck down off the mountain after you shoot it. But imagine like field dressing an elk. That's like insane. That's yeah.
0: So you had talked about like how you guys are like one of the number one counties for like wildlife. Mm -hmm. and fishing and stuff and obviously like the elk is more of like a habitat Mm -hmm. thing but do you think that like your uh the population in your area has a lot to do with the amount of wildlife you guys have there because like I noticed when we came down to your camp like the crazy amount of whitetail that were just like chilling out with every like like right on the side of the road nobody like they didn't shoe or anything. Um,
2: Absolutely. I mean, I mean, even we noticed during this pandemic, uh, there was so many news reports about how just the low activity in all these cities have had deer and stuff coming out into the streets that people had never seen, like fox roaming around like towns and stuff. But I think everyone in my town is either um, accustomed to it, or we all have the same mutual respect for our wildlife, and we know that we're in their habitat. You know, this is their their land as much as ours mm-hmm. so um yeah so a lot of us don't bother them when they're just out doing their own thing um it's just another sighting for the day
0: um but yeah we actually when I, I work right like right in downtown erie and we had a coyote like right behind the shop during this whole pandemic that like we never had before and it was just like running through the yard just like yeah. doing coyote yeah, things, there's I not guess. like
1: a block of woods and i don't know yeah, because like, I mean, it's
0: tough to describe if you aren't familiar with Erie, but, like, I'm, like, right in, like, the industrial parkway right down 12th Street. Um, and, yeah, it's just, like, <laughs> there's, yeah, like, one tree in our yard, and there's just a coyote running around. For He was out there for, like, an hour just, I don't know, doing whatever.
2: Yeah, so, like, it was, like, normal to me when we were – when I was growing up, like, where my camp is and all, like – oh, don't leave your trash out or this and that because the bear is going to come drag it up the hill. Like, I couldn't tell you how many times we came up and we're like, oh, the cooler's gone and there's holes through the lids all drug halfway up the mountain. We had to go get Pepsi cans and stuff. (laughs) And it's like, the bear's out. And, I mean, even hunting season. So when I started hunting alone, I was like out in the middle of the woods alone and knowing how much I, uh, you know, all this stuff is out there. You know, it starts getting dark. Even sometimes I still get spooked out. I'm like, oh. Uh, you just like
0: yourself out so fast. Just the this, uh,
2: you know, seeing a bear in daylight's one thing, but just this past turkey season, I was going out and I was hiking up the mountain and I saw some eyes with my headlamp, and I was like, "That doesn't look like deer." And just knowing <laughs> that I was face to face with a bear, very very close, I w- I was a little, you know, I mean, it took I mean, off because, but for yeah, sure. but it's like it doesn't surprise me that I saw it. You know, it's like yeah. it's normal that that bear was there. So
1: another thing that we didn't mention that you have to watch out
0: for in your areas, the rattlesnakes too. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that we have That's, rattlesnakes. I in was Pennsylvania surprised as when well. I, I started hunting snakes like two years ago and the amount of people, one that going and buying the license itself, people at the counter think it's not a thing. Like you go and ask for your venomous snake permit and the like guy or girl at the counter, you know, i don't think we have that and i'm like i, I know you do and i've walked them <laughs> through the process both years now um to get to where it's at and then i go like i show somebody a picture at the bar or at work or something and they're like how, like you went you said you went this weekend like how far did you have to go for that and i'm like a lot closer than you think like yeah you can About go hours. a couple hours and you're it's in, actually in very Florian. common
2: we actually host right like you know, uh, cinema 15 honing. minutes from my burrow, like from the town, we hold a snake hunt, like where hey, they
0: are. You, is, are you talking about the rattlesnake roundup yep. in cinema, yep.
2: cinema honing? There's a rattlesnake roundup and people come from all over and they say happy hunting, you know? So this past summer, um, uh, I actually interned with Penn dot and I was a flagger and it was like normal. They were like, yeah, if the, you know, rattlesnake comes out, you know, just step over. So that's like another thing, uh, with, earlier when I was talking about the Cameron County outdoor youth activities they actually we used to have our fish and boat commissions um warden he used to bring like rattlesnakes to elementary school kids and (laughs) take it out of the bag and he was poking around with you know from a safe distance and all but he'd be poking at the stake and stuff and the amount of Like knowledge they teach these kids about like the eyes and the head shape and everything to look out for for like venomous snakes snakes, yeah and um that's information you know there's such a misconception like i see and hear people say all the time like oh you know a rattlesnake's a dead snake or you know stuff like that they want to show them they're so good for our area you know they um with for fleas and ticks and rodents and they're extremely docile too Exactly. And they take a lot to aggravate. He, that was part of his showings was he was walking around the snake and poking it and stuff. And they give off warnings. Like if you are in their area or if you're, if they are trying to, um, you know, protect their den or so that's when they'll rattle. They are rattling because they're warning you, please don't come around. Um, most, I mean, I think there's been one or I want to say two bitings in the last or yeah, like in the past, 20 years or so and usually um or maybe i want to say deaths or yeah.
0: something like that but i don't know um, well, we even to... even
2: so like a lot of times when people do get bit it's because um they actually physically stepped on the snake didn't mm-hmm. see it and you know if that's gonna spook the snake and it's gonna strike or so yeah. just like any but um other than that i mean rattlesnakes are very tolerant They'll they'll put yeah. up with a lot until they Let's, feel like they have to strike. We had a
0: couple episodes ago, we had John Royer on who he's kind of almost like the grandfather of snake hunting when mm-hmm. it like, when it comes to uh, like it being like publicly known and stuff like he was snake hunting before snake hunting was cool. If mm-hmm. you'll, if like before mm-hmm. you could just go to the um, outdoor store and pick up your license, like when he, when you were applying for permits, you know, he's been doing this for like since the you could first start hunting rattlesnakes. And he's only witnessed one bite in his years. And he handles, you know, 30 to 40 snakes a year. And his only bite he ever witnessed was one of the professionals at the rattlesnake roundup. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's not, like, we've handled, you know, almost 40 snakes. And, like, they don't want to bite by any means. Like, we've had, like, what we consider an aggressive snake, but they no, they don't bite or anything. So.
2: And what a lot of people don't know either is like the most dangerous ones are actually young ones. They can't control mm-hmm. their um, venom, so um, the younger snakes, the babies and stuff, they're actually the ones that you want to look out for because they can release a whole.
0: Yeah. You know, well, they some of the adults they well a lot of times be dry bites. Right. Um, because they don't like it takes a long time for them to build up that venom mm-hmm. that they don't want to. Uh, waste it waste on it, right. something they're not going to eat because they know that they can't eat you mm-hmm. um so they a lot of times they'll, they'll be like a dry bite right
2: yeah so then i guess in high school i mean when i was in the ninth grade i uh i joined our what our school has is an envir of an envirathon club and when i talk to people a lot of them don't even know what that is like people don't even know that exists but there's a whole local state competition for it and um basically there's just aspects of the outdoors you have your soils water component your um wildlife and everything like that you get some team members
0: and okay so you have a team and like you have like experts if you well yeah so
2: that's how they um that's how they ask i mean like that's probably the most logical way to do it um but as for I, who is very like knowledgeable you in want to a know few everything. aspects, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's good for everyone to know a little bit about everything. I was um the I was in the water component, I suppose, mm-hmm. um because that's my specialty. That's what I. Uh, that's
0: what is your most interested yeah. In, that's what sure. my most interested fishing is so. probably your number one. <laughs> yeah,
2: thing. yeah. I love fishing. I love um, water and everything in that aspect um so um you get a team of five people and everyone kind of picks their category I suppose and then you go to your um, local competition which is people within like your district or so you know surrounding counties and the winner of each county goes on to the state competition and you actually take like Actual tests and it's very and it's dealt by um, the DCNR and the Fish and Game Commission okay. and those are the people who come in and then they have um, components like you have they put out um, bird calls and toad calls and frog calls and the, or toad calls or frog calls or so and you need to know um, the sound and you have to match the sound to the bird or match a sound to the frog and you need to know the calls and you need to know the fur's feces. Um, skulls everything like that um and it's blank and you just they have you listen or look at or so and then you have um questions on a test that's about um, amount of orange you have to wear during hunting season or just um so much and then another thing I love about that is you learn a lot about invasive species so I loved learning all about the invasive species whether it's plants or um or animals, or um, insects, stuff like that, it's good to know when you're out and about, and you see something, and you can contact someone, and let them know that there's an invasive species, like, you know, polluting an area or so, but my team in high school went to states all four years that I was in high school, and there's an oral component where you need to speak about an issue, they they make up a scenario, and so they're basically preparing students who are interested in this stuff for um, the future, and for their jobs, so I, who is going to school for environmental geology, I find that a lot of times in my classes, I'm a little bit more knowledgeable or have a head start than some of these other students because, you know, it's... It's been your it's, passion since yeah, you were Yeah, I kid. absolutely love it. And so um, when I um, was coming to school and I didn't know what I wanted to go for and I was undecided, I was taking some general education classes and I had to take... Um, it was like an environmental science class and... I just rocked the class and I was like, I loved taking it and I loved learning about it. And I was like, if I can be passionate and other people can see that in my career choice, then then it'll be worth it to me, so.
0: Nice. Um, before, I, before we close anything out, um, like you mentioned like what you're going to school for and everything um, and how, you know, because you love it so much, you hope that you'll never have to work a day in your life. Right. What, I guess, what is your goal after graduation with your degree, or are you undecided with that? Um,
2: yeah, I'm kind of undecided. I know that with my major and my minor, I get the bachelor's of science degree. Um, and I mean, I could work in oil and gas, or say I could work for. Oh, so you,
0: yeah, I guess it's yep. broader than I realized. Yeah,
2: um, geology is very important, and it's in all aspects. I could work for in hydrogeology, which is, um, you know, water sources. I could work it with with groundwater, other companies like that. I could even go for. As simple as being working for DCNR or Fish and Boat Commission or anything like that. So, um, I feel like it's wherever life takes me. I'm willing to take opportunities if I have a an opportunity out west or down south or something like. I mean, I would take it. I would love to travel. So you're I would love you're to not experience. against like leaving. I'm, I'm not Cameron against County leaving the or... area. I love where I grew up, and I do have a family camp there, so I'll always have ties back to my well, hometown. Roots my roots there. are always there, and uh, so, but. Um, no I'm not opposed to going out and traveling and if I could even work for you know state national parks anything like that that would be absolutely amazing I, I'm i so passionate for the outdoors and in the environment and uh, every aspect as to mention like there's so much knowledge that you can never stop learning so uh, this truly is our planet our one mm-hmm. place that we live so it's like you know we got to take care of it so I think that growing up in my area in my small town and just the area I did, it was, it was a blessing. Yeah.
0: I think even the more I think about that, like you're saying, you know, like oil and gas and stuff that you can get into. Um, we had learned earlier this year, um, with where we snake hunt. you know, oil and gas industry is really big down in those mountains. You know, there's pads Mm -hmm. everywhere. Um, they actually hire like separate companies, um, to come in, um, like environmentalists, basically the one guy was, um, specific to snakes and he would go ahead before they put these trails in or the roads or the pads and find dens mm-hmm. in certain areas and to like, relocate yeah, them. well, no, he would keep oh. the They relocated oh, the paths. Yeah. Nice. yeah. So they actually, they leave the snakes on their natural path and they work around them. That's um, amazing. so I get, like I said, the more you said it and the more I realized like, okay, there's actually a lot more mm-hmm. like, Every I'm time- sure like Penndot probably uses the same sort of thing when they're doing projects? Absolutely.
2: They have to have companies pre come in and, you know, uh, figure stuff out and everything. It's, um, whenever I tell people I'm going for geology, they're like, Oh, rocks. (laughs) And that's what I thought too. When I came to school and that's what Edinburgh had to offer. And then the more I got into the geology program and started talking to professors and other students, I was like, this is pretty cool. And there's a lot of available options for jobs and stuff. And then, um, just the cool experiences and stuff, and he t- they talk about previous students and where they ended up and what they're doing now is like, this this is something I could wrap my head around. So, yeah, I'm just I'm willing to you know I just want to go out and share my love and share my knowledge and hope that other people you know, uh, can f- find that passion for the outdoors as well. So,
0: nice, and I know uh, I didn't tell you this ahead of time, but I'm sure you. With Luke or whatever, like, are you familiar with our write it in pen segment when we bring guests on? No. Okay, so basically, what the write it in pen is, is when we bring a guest on, um, we like to get like just a little um, like sentence or phrase or something that you kind of like put a lot of weight behind almost, like um, that you're passionate about. Where um, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, if you don't have one right off the bat, that's okay. But I know like early on you had talked about, you know, if, like, a statement that you had made was, uh, the, uh, if you know, if you love what you're doing, you're never going to work a day in your life. But if there was something, it doesn't even have to be like a phrase, but, um, something you're passionate about with the outdoors, whether it's, you know, cleaning up your waterways or something to pay attention to with people in the outdoors or growing up in the outdoors. I hate to put you on the spot like that, but.
2: No, I, I guess I don't really have a phrase, but I could just say, you know, like I said, the first time, I mean, this is, we get one, we get one earth to live on. So, I mean, respect it and love it and grow to love it. And just, if you could do anything each day, if you could pick up one water bottle you see on the side of the road and you throw it away or you recycle it, do it because it's just that little bit of effort every day. And if everybody did their part every day, then, you know, we wouldn't be having, um, all these problems that we're having as of right now with pollution and all that type of stuff. So no, I mean, that's a really just do good your one. Part. Yeah. Uh,
0: and I don't I don't think you really could have planned a better one, honestly. That was oh, good yeah. right off the top of the head. So yeah. um thank you for joining us. And I know Yeah, thanks, Cassie. You said you were a little <laughs> nervous, but like I think it, I think the jitters go away pretty quick. Yeah. At least for most people that come on. I
2: mean it's it's especially easy when you're talking about something you love and you're passionate about. Yeah. It's not it's mindless. It's like talking about something that's second nature. It's just my life, you know. Yeah,
0: that so. was like my dad was super nervous when we mm-hmm. brought him on and uh, i just told him like listen we're just sitting at, you're just sitting at camp with us and you're telling us you know your favorite story stuff you're passionate about and i mean two minutes in and he was you forget the mics there Mm -hmm. so
2: yeah i uh i actually this is kind of off the off the record but i uh i had won the national wild turkey federation state scholarship um, before I came to college I won locally and then they put it into the 64 counties or so mm-hmm. and I actually won state and I had to write an essay as to what um, what the environment means to me and I and I put that like I attribute like everything you know to my roots and my family and my bringing up and I think that my passion within my essay is what helped me get that I mean I you know I talked about just how in the future I'd love to stay with that and everything so
0: no that's a good point I uh, I
2: talked about how what was a desire to learn was soon a desire to teach so um I I started um I started to outsmart my brothers and I started (laughs) to um tell my dad things and when it impressed him that made me feel kind of cool so um (laughs) just knowing bird calls or you know species and stuff like that it was pretty is pretty awesome
0: so nice well um, I'll just go back to what Cassie had said about you know taking care of the earth and you know, pick up water bottles and while you're outside you can do that kind of stuff. So.